Welcome to In, In It, it together. together. I'm Jay. And I'm Courtney. And this is our podcast where we discuss mental health and self-improvement from a couple's perspective. Thanks for joining us again. Yes, welcome back. So we have an interesting one today. Came by request, right? We did. Lots of requests. Yeah, well, you know, the narcissistic video was one of the top TikTok videos that you made. Yes. And you've gotten a lot of questions about narcissism. I guess a lot of people were interested in like, how do you how do you get into these relationships, right? Yeah. And you had a really interesting analogy that kind of explained it really well. It did, yeah. Okay, so everybody always asks me like, why did I stay in this relationship, this toxic relationship for as long as I did? How did I end up with this narcissist? Why did I stay? So I gave this analogy that really helped. Let's say that you were a fish and you were being brought back to a cabin to be cooked, right? Now, let's hypothetically talk about this. If you were thrown into a boiling hot pan of water, I mean, you'd jump out real fast and you'd learn right away, I'm going to stay away from those hooks. That's, that's not going to happen to me. But what if you were brought home and you were put into a pot of cool water? And over time, the temperature of the water changed, got warmer and warmer and warmer. You, fish, would learn to adjust your body temperature, would learn to adjust that and, you know, just kind of go along with it. So by the time the water was actually boiling, you had already developed a tolerance to heat changes. And so... Yes. You know, if you got right into a relationship right away and on day one, you were experiencing the worst of the worst of the abuse, you're not bonded to that person. So you're out. But over time, when that water and that level and that heat changes, you end up becoming accustomed to it and you develop a bond with this person. So you just learn to adjust yourself to the environment. And that's what we're going to be talking about, right? Trauma bonds. Exactly. So we're going to go into, uh, you know, how they develop. And it's just exactly like your analogy pointed out, right? If you're put into a situation where it starts off pretty good and then you're conditioned for it getting worse and worse and worse, you you start to not notice it because it, this happens over time. This doesn't happen. It's like you said, it's like it's easy to say, oh, you know, how are you in this relationship? You know. Can't you see, you know, what's what's going on and the abuse? But you, it, when you're conditioned to see these things in very small increments over a long period of time, no, no one meets someone and, and and says, "Hey, hi, my name is Jay. I'm a narcissist, and I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm going to abuse you today." Yeah, you know, no one does. They don't no. do that, right? We're going to talk about these trauma bonds and how they developed and how the stages, you know, the levels basically of how, of how this all works. Uh, so if you're a person that either is in a narcissistic relationship and in a trauma bond, you can see the parallels. If you're not, then you can avoid them. And or or you may know someone that is in a in, in this type of relationship and then you can kind of I don't want to say sympathize, but you can understand the situation, help them and be aware. So hopefully we'll make you aware of what to avoid and how to help someone that you might know that it's in this type of relationship. Yeah, and, I, and I just want to say, like, before we kind of go into this, that you did exactly what you were trained to do. You were trained to look past all the bad and just see the good, you know? So, and that's what people don't understand. Like, why are they still in this relationship? <laughs> it's, it, it is, it, it's crazy how it works. So 
I just want to preface this and say that typically people who have some type of an abuse history or grew up in an unhealthy environment are more likely to end up in these relationships because they're less likely. They're, they're, they've already been trained and conditioned, yeah, they've already been conditioned to, to see past some of this. And so it's kind of like a normal to them. And oh, I've, I've been here. I, I can handle this. Well, we've, and we've talked about that because we, when you're we've, we've talked about it in previous podcasts, right? When you when you come from an environment, you know, whether it's your family or other relationships that have been abusive, then you're already conditioned to deal with that, right? Or again, if your mother, father was abusive in this way, then you and and you don't know any. You're younger, you don't know any more, any better. Or then you just you think that this is the norm, right? So it's easy to continue that cycle. Yes, absolutely. So let's just quickly define what a trauma bond is. Let's start there. All right. Well. It's just an unhealthy bond with a person, you know, someone you're in an intimate relationship, whatever, most likely, that is created over time in a cycle with reward and punishment behind it. So it's a bond based on a cycle of reward and punishment, and it's unhealthy. And you said that you, there's seven stages. You've been educating me on this a little bit, right? And you told me there were seven stages. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to say they're more like levels, right? Because you can't get to one level until you get to the other no, one. No, it is calculated. You know, the levels happen the way they need to happen so that they can get to the next phase. You know, so it is calculated. We'll talk about each individual one and how they affect the other one, but let's just name them right up, right from the beginning. All right, so it goes love bombing, trust and dependency, which is number two, criticism, gaslighting, relinquishing of control, loss of self, addiction. So let's go right into each one of them because, as you said, right there, they they happen in order. Love bombing, of course, is the very first one, and that's really just that initial when you meet that person and they shower you with a lot of love and affection. But it's with an ultimate goal, which is the second stage. So let's talk about it. Okay, so like you were saying, you know, love bombing is the first part of this, and this is where they shower you with gifts excessive attention. They tell you everything they want to hear. They are everything that you could ever want. And there's a reason for that. You know, this isn't, you know, your spouse can shower you with gifts and show you a love and attention. doesn't mean that they're a narcissist and they're going to the next step. But with narcissism, this is overly excessive and it is planned because they need to be able to gain your trust because they need you to be dependent on them. And I think it's important also to note that you know, a narcissist in particular is going to target people that they feel are that are a lot more susceptible to that type of affection than someone else. Yeah, well, narcissists seek out people. Who, they, they already know their victims. A narcissist, when they're dating or they come up and meet you, they've already examined you. They already know sweet, kind, you know, look at how they're engaging with this person or look how, he, how he's doing that. They can already identify right off the bat you know, five personality traits that you may have that they want. And they're going to say, okay, this is it. And so they base that love bombing off of who you are as a person. You know what I mean? They know the ins and outs. They take that time to really get to know you. And they have to do that because that's trust, right? You're going to start trusting this person. You're going to start thinking like, wow, they know me. They know what I want. And that's what we want, right? We want to be known and seen. And then you start to you know, beyond trusting them, you start to become dependent on them for this type of love bombing behavior. You get, you like it. It feels yeah, so, good. Yeah. So one thing leads to the other, right? So the right. love bombing, especially with someone with either, you know, mommy issues or daddy issues, right? They didn't have that affection. 
that that they craved we've talked about like you know dependencies and abandonment issues people that have the those sorts of traumas are much more susceptible to someone that comes in and does this love bombing Mm -hmm. but again the, the whole point is they do that to build that level of trust and dependency, which is the step is the next step. Yeah, because they want to get to the point where they can start criticizing you over time, blaming you for things, increasing their demands of what they want from you. But they're not going to be able to do that if you haven't trusted them, if you haven't become dependent on them and if they haven't shown you that they can shower you with gifts, you know, so it all ties back so now you've gone through love bombing you you're trusting and dependent on them and now they can start putting you down because they know that you're dependent on them and there's a reason you need to start being able to handle their high demands and their criticism before they can actually start the next phase because by this time most people start to catch on to the behaviors of the the narcissist in this relationship and when the narcissist realizes that they have caught on they need to be able to gaslight. And gaslighting is when they almost convince you that your reality isn't what your reality is. And they do that by saying, what do you mean? That's not what happened. I was standing right there. Why do you always make this about you? So they really try to get you to kind of start tripping yourself up. But again, they can't do that until you've been able to accept their criticism, increase their demands, have trust in them, and again, that love bombing phase. So gaslighting is so important because this is where that they can do whatever they want right in front of your face, but convince you it's not happening. Okay. Yeah. And and, and again, it's in, in so you can start to see like these levels, how they build gaslighting isn't effective unless they've built that level of trust. And exactly. the only way they build the level of trust is by, you know, showing you that affection and the love that that you were, you know, looking for. Yeah. Like so, go try to gaslight someone off the streets and be like, oh, you'd be like, get out of here. What is wrong with you? But you can do that to somebody that trusts you, that believes in you, that has seen the good in you, the amazing in you. So they're going to be like, you know what? They're probably right. And then you start really questioning yourself. And there's a reason for that. They want you to relinquish your control, which is going into the next thing. They want you to do as they say, because doing anything other than that is negative. And in order for you to experience something positive with them, you know, to slowly start, man, because at this point, love bombing was, you know, several weeks ago. You've already been through the criticism. You've already been gaslit. And now you're realizing you just got to do what they say so that you can just get a little bit of good to come from them. And in order to do that, you have to relinquish all control. Just to clarify, it may not be you know, a couple of weeks. It might be several months. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like it could be, you know, it, it depends. It could be six months a year. Exactly. It could depend on the, the individual, the relationship. It depends on how easy you are to get to these stages because every person is different, you know. And these stages don't have a, you know, a time stamp on them. You know, you may have, they may have to stay in the love bombing phase a little bit longer, or they may need to really be in that trust and dependency stage a little bit more longer so that they can build that with you. Every person is different, but narcissists know their victims. So they know, okay, this is what I got to do right now. Yeah. When you, once you give up that control, that's when the loss of self, yes. the next stage. Comes exactly. In. This is where you just settle. At this point, you've completely lost yourself. You don't even trust your decisions that you're making because you've been gaslit so bad that you don't even know what's real and what's what's not anymore. And right here, this is the pivotal moment. This is where that trauma bond is made. Right here, when you are just at your, you are at rock bottom. You have lost yourself. You've been beaten down. 
This is where the addiction comes into play because this is slowly where that love bombing will come back, right? So you're already addicted to this person at this point. You're already addicted to the cycle of abuse, all right? Because before you get to that addictive behavior, you already, you keep going back to, okay, but, but, but what about the beginning? So you hold on to that hope. And this is where dopamine, this is where those neurotransmitters gets kicked in. And studies will show that the same part of your brain that is triggered when you use substances through addiction is the same part of your brain that's triggered when you're in a trauma bond. You know, studies will prove this. So here we are. We're at the addictive phase. And guess what happens? Guess what the narcissist does? Boom, right back to love bombing. They pull you right back in. And then the cycle repeats itself over. Yeah. It's just like an addiction, right? It's you, You're chasing the high, basically, right? The love bombing or the affection, the good times become the high. And, you know, the lows, unfortunately, come right after, right? So, and just like addiction, you know, you get... The highs are shorter and shorter, and but you keep chasing. You keep chasing that high, mm-hmm. and that's a, it's, it's the same dynamic within these relationships, right? And I'll and and, and people that I coach too. You know, I've I've had these conversations. The love bombing becomes less and less. A narcissist has to do less and less for you over time because you are so broken down at this point. You are so deep in the cycle that they could just do something nice like give you a compliment. You don't need gifts anymore. You don't need to be shy with love and affection, but they can say, hey, good job. And boom, there you are again. So they have, over time, they can do less and less and less, but continue to get more and more and more from you. They can still get everything you ever dedicated to them, all your trust and all your dependency without doing anything. And so it provides them with the perfect lifestyle because most narcissists always have another victim in mind. They always realize that at some point, this isn't, I'm not going to be able to get water from a dry well. Like I'm going to break this person down so bad that I'm going to need somebody else. And so they need to be able to take that love bombing phase and put it into somebody else or start figuring that out. They're, it's, 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 a, it's a vicious cycle. And that is how trauma bonds happen. And this is why when people break up from these relationships, that the victim in it, takes them back, accepts the phone calls, finds themselves, quote unquote, stalking them, looking into their new life. They are so addicted to their narcissist. And that is the addictive behavior. And the narcissist knows that they always have you. They can always go back to you until you can, you know, see things otherwise. So I think this is a good point to take a quick break for a special message. And when we get back, we're going to talk about, you know, how do you become aware and how do you reconnect with reality so you can you know, end the, this trauma bond or figure out how not to get into these. So we'll take a quick uh, break here and uh, we'll be right back. We want to take a moment to thank our listeners for all their continued support. If you like the show, please consider supporting us via Venmo at QAskCourtney. That's the letter Q, Ask Courtney. Any amount is appreciated and will help us to be here with you on your self-improvement journey. You can also reach us at podcast with an S at epiphanymedia.com. That's E-P-I-C-P-H-A-N-Y media.com. Thank you. Now back to our podcast. So we've been talking about trauma bonds, specifically, you know, those established by a narcissist. We've talked about like the seven stages, but what we don't want to do is we don't want to have people confuse any of these stages with uh, something else, right? So we have to be aware. We have to be aware of the seven stages. We have to be aware of the the person that we suspect might be a narcissist. But what we don't want to do, of course, is confuse 
just normal behavior with right. with okay the, I'm, I'm with a narcissist because like they love bombing me. if your spouse brings you home flowers tonight don't be like oh shit. Yeah exactly this guy's a narcissist. <laughs> or or well, if you're this lady's not right I yeah, gotta get Yeah exactly ready. if your wife is criticizing you because you know you whatever you're not you're not taking the garbage out you're not automatically suggesting oh well, she's, she's a, a narcissist. narcissist. That's it. Exactly so it's important to be aware of these seven stages but unless they're happening in this exact order and in this for these exact reasons then you know we don't want all our listeners to to think everybody they're with a narcissist because again a lot of these a lot of these levels are basically you can see in any relationship but if you if you see them in this order for for exactly for these reasons you know outside of the addictive trait is the red flag right that's that's the one you really want to look in, look at right because if you have an addictive trait in your relationship then that's that's the big okay you're with a narcissist yeah like if you in the thing is if do you feel like you've completely lost yourself like is this a cycle do you feel like nothing you do is is good enough do you feel like the the abuse gets worse and worse do you feel like the affection is less and less there's so many multiple things to take into this you know and, yeah, and you, do you not have a voice in your relationship mm-hmm. that's important and still sometimes you might not have a voice in your relationship but that doesn't mean that the person's a narcissist either. you just might not be expressing yourself you know might be might be assertive so really you need to focus on the seven stages as they happen with intention over time, reward and punishment. And the only way to be able to know if you truly are in this love bomb is what we're going to be going into next, which is, you know, breaking the cycle and becoming more aware. So how do you do that? Honestly, <laughs> the only way that is going to be effective with this is asking yourself questions. So if you're listening to this podcast right now and you're like, oh, my God, I'm in a trauma bond <laughs> Asking yourself, write down these seven stages, you know, write them down and say, okay, how have these things been happening? Start assessing beginning of the relationship till now and then find the midpoint. What has changed? Have things gotten worse? How has my behavior looked? You know, how have I been responding? Do I still respond the same that I did in the beginning? Do I feel like I'm relinquishing more control now? Am I just trying to seek out the good? Am I looking past the bad? You will never be able to have the sense of awareness until you sit down with a pen and piece of paper and you write down the seven stages and you start asking yourself those questions. Those questions are going to give you insight into whether you need to assess this further. If you start looking at all of this and you start shaking your head like, okay, I'm starting to see where this is going. Breaking a trauma bond on your own is extremely challenging because A, there has to be some form of a history of abuse on either end, right? You At some point, you already have a poor foundation of what a healthy relationship should be in and you've been in one for however many times. So then your next step after you've kind of assessed this is finding a trauma-informed clinician to help work through this stuff. Because if the theory of addiction applies in a trauma bond, it's like an addict trying to go clean without having all of the supports. It's like an addict going back to the environment that makes them sick and being around the same friends that they use with. You can't go back into that home, into that relationship with that person and act like they're not going to affect you or that you're not going to be triggered and want more. So you're going to need outside resources. This isn't something that you can do on the DL effectively. Yeah. And it starts with you, right? With all of this, right? We want to 
I'm going to skate on very thin ice here, right? Okay. So, because, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, you're victim blaming. That's not what I'm, I'm, I'm doing or I'm not trying to do. I want to empower our listeners and understand that, you know, yes, you're a victim, but, you know, how much of this have you allowed? You, you, you know what I'm saying? You understand what I'm saying? And again, that's why I'm skating on very thin ice here, yeah, right? Yeah, I'm looking at you right now like I'm going to crack this ice for you. No, I, I understand. You're not victim blaming. What you're trying to say is that at some point, you know, now that we're at this level of awareness, we need to say, why did I stay in that pot of boiling water? Why didn't I jump the fuck out? Even even beyond that, like, why did I find myself in this situation? Because right. again, narcissists will seek out the people that they think they can victimize. Right. So, right? so, so at what point? Did you become, again, I'm going to skate on really thin eyes. You're not ice, but victim you're, blaming, but you're trying to help that person understand is how did I become the victim? What was it within me that, uh, was there some part of my foundation that was broke? Was there a boundary that was just, they could slither their way into? So again, you're not shaming the victim. You're not saying, well, it's because you put yourself in that situation. You're saying, damn, because people with solid boundaries and people who aren't codependent and people who don't rely on other people to make them feel good would have been like, fuck you, I'm out of here. Pretty much. And that, and therein lies and my that's point. What exactly. You're I, I was and just I'm trying to help you. And, and it's okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thanks. And, and, and it's okay. It's okay to have found ourselves in these situations. It does not make you a bad person. At exactly. All or a it does not. Absolutely. It does not. So, so what I want to do is, like I said, what I want to do is empower our listeners to understand that it's not your fault that you found yourself in this situation, right? But under, well, once you become aware, once you become once you understand what's been going on now you have the power to say okay i can i can move away from this i can find what put me into this situation so you know i can i can fix it exactly. so that i don't find myself so it doesn't happen again right because this is the thing with you know you know when you when you have unhealthy relationships you repeat what you don't repair, right? So if you're a young kid, right? And and I've done this, you know, a little bit here in this relationship, you know, I sought out some of the things that I saw unconsciously. <laughs> I'm going to say unconsciously, not subconsciously, <laughs> subconsciously. And now I understand why. It's like I was trying to fix what I saw growing up and I repeated it in some ways, you know, whether it was the behavior that my mother manifested or what have what have you. So it's really important to take a step back and be like, OK, what did I need? What would have been beneficial back then so that I would have saw these red flags that I could have stopped myself once I got to the dependency because I didn't want to depend on nobody? How did I get to that point? Well, I trusted too easily. And the reason why I trusted too easily is because I was so looking for affection and I was so kind and I had such poor boundaries and I just wanted someone to love me. That's what I did. And why did I do that? I did that because somehow growing up, I didn't have that sense of self. I was codependent because I maybe had abandonment issues or whatever it was. And because of that, I found myself seeking validation in my relationships. So now that I know that, I can work on that. I can work on self-validating. I can work on boundaries and red flags and feeling only dependent on myself so that next time something happens, I'm going to say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, buddy. Or wait a minute, lady, this isn't what's going to happen here. That's all we're talking about right now. Because had those things not been present in your life, you wouldn't have found yourself in that situation. Again, you are not responsible for your trauma, but you are responsible for your healing. And that's what we're trying to say. 
No, absolutely. And, um, you know, it's it's funny because we we draw some of these parallels, right? The trauma bond, like we've talked about this um, within our relationship, right? How at the beginning of, of our relationship, it was, you know, kind of based on a trauma bond, right? Yeah. Because there was a lot of that, that, you know, I gave you a lot of love. I gave you a lot of affection that you did not have at the beginning. And you did the same with me. And we built that level of trust and dependency mm-hmm. upon each other, and you oh, sm- shit. and you a lot more than than me, right? You were a <laughs> lot more. At this list, like, I know it's damn. it's very. Um, you became very dependent on me, you know, yep. and looked up to you know because of the age difference, because of the life experience difference. Yep. You looked up and you depended on me, and then you know I was critical at times of you, right? And so there was there was that criticism. I aspect. feel attacked right now. <laughs> so no, why but, are you coming at me like this, bro? Oh. <laughs> But no, I'm. Serious. I'm making this the parallels, right? Where where we differed, though, right? There wasn't the, the the gaslighting never happened. I respected your views, even though sometimes we didn't agree. I didn't. I didn't want any of your. Yeah, I, I didn't want to take any right control. At the criticism phase. Exactly. <laughs> I didn't want any control. I wanted to empower you to have your own control over yourself. I think if anything, I gaslit myself. <laughs> to be honest with you, <laughs> I think I did. And we, you know, that men are the biggest gaslighters. For themselves because of you know other reasons but yeah i think i think we stopped right at the criticism phase and i think that's because you know you're not a narcissist if you were a narcissist you would have pushed all the way to the end you actually wanted me to challenge you you wanted me to like get up in my face like come on like you didn't know any other way you were just harsh in the way that you you handled things so it was really interesting to see like when i was really kind of sitting down and thinking about this podcast And this is why I want to share this with you guys, too, is that you're not alone. Like anything that we are talking about and saying to you right now, we've experienced every single podcast we've ever done. So we do have some trauma bonding under us. But we were able to get past that because we were able to see things differently. It's just I think it's so important that we are candid and that we share this because you can see that I'm not victim blaming myself. You're not victim blaming me. But we have to be realistic to see that I was so desperate to be loved. I was so desperate to love somebody. I wanted someone to trust because I couldn't trust nobody. And I had narcissistic tendencies. And let's be honest, you (laughs) know what? Past tense? (laughs) Had? (laughs) Well, well, thanks, honey. But again, from my own, as we talked before, right? My mother was a narcissist. So all those traits were passed down. And you, you know, saw her very successful in being able to manipulate her environment using those things. So that just became what you were able to use. Exactly. And so the traits, knew. exactly. The traits got passed on. So these are all the cycles that we we just talked about, right? We talked about these are the things that we look out for. I'm just sitting here like I feel really emotional, like I want to ball my eyes out. I like dodged a, a massive bullet because I could have ended up with a narcissist and been in like a really abusive relationship. Like this is really emotional for me because I'm sitting here right now being like, holy shit, I could have been that fucking fish being boiled right now in a pot and I don't know what would have happened to me. So I like dodged some serious bullets there. <laughs> that, you know, gets my heart racing. And I think it's really important that we say that. Like if I didn't have that sense of intuition and awareness to be able to step, take a step back and say, oh my God, you were the perfect, like I was bait. I was like perfect bait. And that's just the reality because of what I saw growing up, you know? So uh, to be honest with you, I don't think that if my mother never passed, I probably would have because I'm sure she guided me because how we met was like crazy. We should talk about that someday. But yeah, we'll you know. we'll save that for another podcast because that's been a question as well, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's uh, I mean, how did you guys meet? That's a funny story. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if we're going to share that all night, <laughs> but, but we, we will at some point. So anyway, we're uh, 
So we'll end it there. And I hope you guys got some good information from the podcast and keep the requests coming because we'd like to hear from you guys and we love doing the, the podcast that you guys want to hear. So guys, if you aren't following me already, you can find me on TikTok at ask.courtney, on Instagram at askcourtney underscore, and on YouTube at askcourtney. And if you'd like to be a guest on a future podcast, you can reach us at podcast with an S at epiphanymedia.com. We'd love to hear your stories, guys, so make sure to reach out. And as always, we're all in this together, so stay safe. Remember, there's no shame in asking for help. Till next time.